This is Moonshine and Scoreboards with Kevin, Landon, and Justin. Hi, and welcome to Moonshine and Scoreboards, a podcast about sports. I'm your host, Kevin. This is episode eight, and I'm joined with my two awesome co-hosts, Landon and Justin. How are we doing, boys? What is up, sir? Good, good. It is another day. It is another day. I tried to switch the intro up, you know, make it kind of like a sweaty balls from Saturday Night Live, the the radio show. Uh, I think you're talking about the the delicious dish. There it the is. Delicious yes. dish. That's the name of it. Yep, yep, yep. I tried to switch it up, you know, keep everybody on their toes, but uh, definitely were keeping just, me on my toes. I did not know what was going on there for a yeah. second. I was scared. <laughs> I needed an adult. I, I, I. I <sighs> okay. All right. We're we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. I go spend a weekend with the leprechauns and I come back a different man. That's just how it happens. <laughs> um, did, you, did you find their pot of gold? Uh no, no pots of gold for me. We just found a big old USC ass whooping. Mm. Uh, but no <laughs> pots of gold for me though, unfortunately. <laughs> um but uh, no, another jam-packed episode we got going on this week. Um, another Saturday of college football has come and gone. Um, another week of upset. Uh, I guess you can call it an upset. Top 10 matchups and, of course, a Tennessee football game. But we all know what this week brings. This week brings some more college football, some more top-ranked matchups. And it's the third Saturday in October, which we're going to get into that. As you guys know, that's Justin's favorite rivalry game, as we talked about on an earlier episode. So we are excited to talk Balls Crimson Tide. But before then, I got to go to a Notre Dame game. Yeah. I kind of want to talk about it. We got to off with that trip to South Bend. We got to hear about it. Yeah, so... It was a good time. I mean, this was my second time going to South Bend. Um, I will say that if you're a college football fan, Notre Dame is like a place that you have to go visit. Um, mm. I, I think it has to be on your bucket list. And listen, the whole time I was sitting there and I was like, this is really cool. It's not, it's not Neyland Stadium, okay? And it's not I've been to a Georgia game. It's not. It's not Athens, um, but there's just something special about Notre Dame. The historical aspect of it, the tradition of it. Um, you kind of just like feel it when you're there. Uh, it, a, a night game at Notre Dame, special. Also, I mean, your our seats that we had. Uh, we were on like the twenty yard line. Um, going towards the video board. So if I turned to my left, I could see touchdown Jesus lit up in green. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Wow. Um, I, w- I will say, uh, and at night they light, they light it up, they light the building up in green uh, to go with, you know, the stadium lights. Notre Dame does their own little light show. Not as good as Neyland Stadiums, I will say that. Um, but still pretty cool nonetheless. Um this game especially, I mean, last year I went to the Clemson game, which was a big game for, for Notre Dame at the time. This year uh, it was the USC game. It was a rivalry game. So uh, Joe Montana was in the building. Whoa. Um, 
Joe Montana. <laughs> yeah, Joe Montana was there. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson was there um, representing USC. We had uh, Matt Leinern in attendance. Um, obviously, Big Noon Kickoff was there. Uh, so he's a part of that. Who else? Jerome Bettis, um, Tim Brown. Um, and on campus, I was walking around on Saturday uh, trying to find a place that had some dryness because it had rained. It was raining all day Saturday. Um, trying to find some dry area and a place to maybe watch a game, maybe watch the Tennessee game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I stumbled across none other than Dick Vitale. What? Dickie V. Yeah, was Dickie. just sitting. He was oh. just sitting amongst the people. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I know. I I didn't get a picture with him because I was like, I don't know. Like nobody else was going up to him being like, "Hey, Dickie V, can I get a picture?" And, and you know, the whole throat cancer thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to like bother him, but I was like. I sat there and it was in this indoor area. It was a restaurant um, that's on campus, uh, like a restaurant bar type thing. And he's just sitting there with his feet propped up, like waiting to be sat down. Wow. And and I was sitting there with my dad and I was like, is that Dick Vitale? And I just sat there and I was just like staring at him. And then later on that evening, I got on when I got back to the hotel and got internet because the whole freaking campus of Notre Dame has no internet whatsoever. Um <laughs> It's like Neyland Stadium, but worse. Um, I don't I, see I got, how that's possible, dude. It was awful. I couldn't see anything. I had the no idea what was going. Had like one bar for the entire yes. campus. Yes, everywhere I went, it was one bar and no Wi-Fi. No Wi-Fi at all. I was like, "What the hell is going? Like, how, how do y'all do this?" I guess I have Wi-Fi for the students, and I'm not a student, so I don't get Wi-Fi. Um, but it sucked royally. Um, but I get back to the hotel and I looked and I was like, holy shit, that was Dick Vitale. Wow. Uh, that's very cool. So that was pretty cool. That is awesome. Um, that's uh, yeah, I mean. I would have expected to see. Like, Yeah, I, I know. Because out of context, I'm wondering, like, if I had seen Dick Vitale just sitting in a restaurant, and I that's not a person I would have expected to see on Notre Dame's campus for this game. Would I have recognized him? I don't know. I think I would. I'd like to think I would, but I don't know. He does. I will say he does a very good job of, like, blending in yeah so i didn't really know if it was dick vitale or just another old guy <laughs> that's right um, that's what i was thinking <laughs> kevin be nice <laughs> i mean i just thought i mean at first i was like no it's just an old dude that looks like dick vitale and i didn't want to be that asshole that's like hey are you dick vitale and he'd be like no i'm not but thanks i was like <laughs> okay well that would have been awkward so i was like i'll just save myself the embarrassment and if i would have looked the night before he was at the volleyball game on campus and he was talking about how he was going to be on campus. And if I would have looked, I would have gone and gotten a picture with him, but alas, I'm a dummy and a chicken. But also, like you said, there was nobody else like walking up. It's like, Hey man, can, can I get a picture with you? And I mean, like, let him, let him enjoy his time. So on the one hand, yeah, you didn't get the picture, but on the other hand, I respect that you let this legend of sports just enjoy a, a brief moment of his own time, so right. Oh He's yeah, probably if it got was... a few years left anyway. Let him enjoy. Jesus Christ! God bless. <laughs> I mean, if it was anybody else that I was a hundred percent sure that it was them, like if it was Joe Montana, I'd be like, "Hey, can I get a picture?" Like, well, yeah, mm-hmm. not even thinking twice about it. I like not even caring. But I loved I you on Saturday make... Night Live. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to make an ass out of myself, so I was like, oh, I'll just risk it. Um. But yeah, 
It was fun. It's it's a like I said, it's a bucket list item that you should definitely do if you like college football. Um, compared to Neyland Stadium, it's not. I mean, the That's first. What I was going to ask you, I really want to. I'd like to know because you know I've been going to Neyland Stadium games, watching the Vols play since you know I was knee high to aggress. So I just want to know. I know you've been to plenty of games at Neyland Stadium. Like com- I'd, I'd like to compare. Well, first of all, compare the facility. Like the, Notre Dame Stadium is a historic stadium, and people talk crap about the historic areas of Neyland Stadium that have not been renovated. So, is it like going to the old Yankee Stadium, where there's like it's it's almost like tiny corridors and the amenities? Are oh like no, really bad. It's not like that. No, Notre Dame. I will say this: Notre Dame Stadium, like the facilities and the amenities, blows Neyland Stadium out of the water. Really? Wow! Wow! Yes, it's old. It's one of the oldest stadiums in college football. You could not tell. It's the inside of it is super clean. I mean, squeaky clean. You it, it squeaky clean. Um. The inside of it is very up to date. It doesn't look a day over. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't look very old at all. Um, <laughs> I don't know where I was going with the day over, uh, but it, it does. It doesn't look very old at all. Now I'm not saying that Neyland Stadium looks old, and I haven't been to the uh, new party deck. I haven't seen that. Um, I mean, I've seen it, but I haven't been inside of it. Um, but like compared to like how Neyland Stadium is can be cramped a little bit with the amount of people walking up and down the corridors and walking, you know, to their seats and whatnot, you don't get that at Notre Dame. Everything was super wide open. Like it's a very open facility. Um and I mean you would expect that when it's I don't want to sound like a Notre Dame fan because this is what a lot of like Notre Dame fans say, but like it's Notre Dame. Like you kind of you kind of expect it to be the top of the line at everything. Like you have a your helmets are made of twenty four karat gold. Like hell yeah, shit's gonna be expensive. And it better be real freaking clean. Uh that's awesome. Cool. It it it, it was yeah, I mean it, it's very, very, very nice. And um the fans I will give. I will say this: the Notre Dame fans that were in attendance um, and tailgating and everything, the whole experience—they're all super friendly. I will also say this: a lot of them have white hair. <laughs> um, um, I mean, you—it was basically two demographics: either you were a student there, or you were like a student's grandfather there. Um, <laughs> they were seasoned is what you were saying. Seasoned. Yeah, there were a lot of Dick Vitales there. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, they weren't diaper uh, dandies more as they were wearing diapers, right? Yeah, they, were, yeah. they were making dandies in their diapers. Hey, um, mm. it was it was it was wild. Uh, I was like, because the first time I went, I mean, I was kind of like, you know, uh, awed at everything. I was just I didn't really pay attention to the crowd. I was more like, wow, that's the gold dome. Let's go inside, you know, this, that, and the other. Um, this time I had already seen all of that stuff. So I didn't really feel the need to go see it again. And 
I was more like taken in the surroundings and I was like, damn, a lot of these people are old. Like old, old. <laughs> like no wonder Notre Dame gets a reputation for being like a quiet stadium. Cause I will say that it got loud. It it was loud to start the game. The first USC drive it was loud. It wasn't Neyland loud, um, but it was loud. Um Do you think Gary Daniel- Danielson would have yeah, said I was just about yeah. to say <laughs> Gary Danielson might have said it was just like any other stadium, but uh, it it wasn't kneeling loud, but it was a little loud. And then, like, after Notre Dame started to pull away, you could kind of tell that the fans were like, okay, well, we've got this in the bag, and I'm just going to sit back and watch it. Like, I was like, buddy, if this was a UT game, the fans, we'd we'd be out for blood. Like, we'd be like, run it up, and we'd still be just as loud. (laughs) Uh, So. That was a little bit of a difference, but I don't know. It was just tough for me to like compare it because Neyland, you get tailgating, you know, like tailgating. G10, drop the tailgate of the truck, grill some hot dogs, drink some, drink some beer, you know, play some cornhole and talk some trash to opposing fans. Uh, Notre Dame, you get like... How do I say this nicely? You get like snooty gating. Oh, where, snooty. wow! Yes, it's it's a new term, snooty gating. This is where the very rich people uh, let you know how rich they are and are very snooty about it and are like, "Oh well, you are from Knoxville, Tennessee. You must be a little peasant farmer. Uh, you're a volunteers fan, are you?" And I was like, "Yeah." Yep, sure am. I'm a little hick over in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, My new shoes that I got, we just got that running water with them uh, flesh and turlets. Yep, we got some moonshine for you if you want some. Uh, <laughs> but, but like, they weren't mean about it, you know? It, well, it was hard. Wait, 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 wait. They weren't mean about looking down their nose at you? <laughs> yeah, they were, they were, well, because they were old. They didn't know any other way. <laughs> You it was know, the kindest condescension you've ever seen. Yes, oh, exactly, okay. exactly. That old chestnut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was the it was the kindest condescension I've ever seen. Um, and even the USC fans were like, if there was an away game to go to, this is the game because everybody here's so nice. And I was like, you know, like that's not the way we do it in Knoxville. <laughs> No. We 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 are mean to you and and we take pride in that. Uh because you're coming into the general's house and if you're going to come into our house and try to try to win, we're not going to make your life very fun. I mean, and I mean Notre- we're, like like Tennessee fans, we're going to get hostile, but we're not like Florida throw bags of urine at you hostile. No, 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 no. We're not going to kill you. We're just no. like going to tell you we're just going to tell you to die, but we won't do it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to threaten it. We won't follow through with it. That's a big difference. I mean, like, that's exactly the, and that's the difference between, you know, a hardcore charge and a misdemeanor. Yeah. <laughs> right. The Florida fans are getting the hardcore charges. We're just getting the misdemeanors. Um, we don't bury bodies here. Um, but but Notre Dame, they don't even do that. They're like, hey, would you like a hot dog? Would you like a would you like a shepherd's pie or what, whatever the hell they make shepherd's there? Pie. Who the hell makes shepherd's pie at a tail dude? A snooty gate. Yeah. Let me tell you, okay. The, they do steak sandwiches. That's like the big thing at Notre Dame is steak sandwiches. Okay. God forbid I find a fucking hot dog or hamburger on a Saturday. I couldn't find one 
anywhere until I got in the stadium. I was like, does anybody have a grill? Anybody grilling anything? Like, we're grilling dogs. We're grilling burgers. Oh, no, we sell steak sandwiches for the Knights of Columbus fraternity house. And I was like, okay. Knights well. of Columbus yeah, that's that's the frat house that I had to eat at because. That's oh, the I was about place. to say, what did they do? Like medieval cosplay up there? Was, that's the only that's that's the only place that served food unless you had a reservation. <laughs> Odin's Raven. Yeah, it was it was wild. Um, but I will say the experience, like Friday night to Sunday morning, is kind of un, is is not kind of is unmatched. Uh, being on campus Friday night was that you just had like the vibe and it wasn't like a drunk college kid vibe. And it wasn't like, a, it, it was a very family friendly atmosphere Friday night, which I thought, and even Saturday, which I thought was really cool. Um, I've never been to downtown Knoxville on a Friday night. I assume it's probably like any other Friday night uh, with a bunch of drunk frat boys and sorority girls uh but being there was really cool that friday night and then saturday you know seeing the gold dome and seeing touchdown jesus and the grotto and all that fun stuff was cool and then sunday you know they have mass sunday morning where the players and the coaches go and things like that i didn't go i was i was tired um but being tired not hung (laughs) over I wasn't hung over because Notre Dame is a dry campus. You can't. You can't what? Wait, anywhere. wait, wait, wait. How are you like 20 minutes into this story? And this is the first time you're mentioning that this is a dry they, campus. Yes, it is a dry campus. I went up to a two things that Notre Dame Stadium does not sell. Alcohol not and yet. coffee. Oh. And, and no. And a third thing. Fun, and hot dogs. Apparently. <laughs> What? <laughs> yes. I went up to a I got to go to my fridge and get another beer hearing that. Keep going. <laughs> I went up to a gentleman, a guest services gentleman or whatever, and was like, hey, um, can I, where can I get a beer? And he was like, well, we don't sell beer. You got to go down to Eddie Street, which is like their strip yeah. to get a beer. And I was like, really? You guys don't sell beer here? I'm like, no, we're a dry campus. And I was like, okay, well, I didn't know we were in the 40s. I said, okay, well, where can I get a coffee? All we sell is hot chocolate. We don't sell coffee. I was like, what? You think somebody's going to get drunk off the fucking coffee? Good God. <laughs> was, what is this? The I, town from Leave It to Beaver? What next? Are they going to outlaw dancing as well? I don't know. I was, I was, uh, I just wanted a coffee because it was like 40 degrees and it was cold. <laughs> All I had was hot chocolate. God. Um, <laughs> but. Aside from their lack of alcohol and coffee, it was fun. <laughs> Answer me this. Did they sell Metamucil at the <laughs> I'm sure somebody, I'm sure that was easily accessible was some Metamucil. That's for yeah, certain. Yeah, you know what, Neyland, like, like, like we allegedly smuggle in like booze and stuff there at uh, Notre Dame. They smuggle in like Metamucil and fiber uh, tablets and stuff oh my like God. that. I mean, does the stadium smell like Icy Hot? <laughs> and Bengay. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I mean, <laughs> you're really selling me on this experience, Kevin. Great experience, Kevin. Mm-hmm. It was a great experience. I'm telling you, just quick, young be- man, rubbing me down. It can tell you a story <laughs> about the time in the '40s when me and my friend Jimbo Jackson we were on the O line. We ran for a whole forty yards that day. <laughs> 40 yards was a long way back. 
30. Uh, back in the day, young man, we were blazing the trail, which back you couldn't blaze trails back then without a permit. With with inflation, 30, 40 yards uh, from the 30s in 2023 is like 200 yards. So it's like, that's as good as running. And we had to stop and dance the Lindbergh while we were doing it, which, of course, was the dance of the day. <laughs> yeah. They, 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 what, what character am I doing? I don't know, but it's funny. You're doing an Irish man, and you're doing a great impression. Hey, I didn't realize I was doing an Irish man. I thought I was just doing an old man, but apparently I've been doing an old <laughs> Irish man. Um, but it, it was a good time. Like I said, I, it's definitely something just to check off your bucket list. Yeah. Uh, I know I've done a terrible job of hyping it up, but no, it really is. done well, but it's, it's funny to throw in the shortcomings as well. Like yeah, not, yeah. Not being able to get a coffee is, a is coffee. pretty crazy. Yeah, it, it it was wild that they didn't serve coffee. I mean, I was like, I mean, it's like 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 alcohol. Okay, it's like in the scheme of things, alcohol just showed up on the up and up in the last few years at Neyland. That didn't stop it from getting in, but right, <laughs> coffee, mm-hmm. especially on a game where it's like forty degrees and raining. You know, like, <laughs> why am I not having a coffee? <laughs> Um, I'm like, 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 like in, in those conditions, I would just be like, "Hi, I'd like two coffees, one to drink and one to pour on my crotch, so I can feel again." <laughs> I just want <to> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it, yeah, it was chilly. I will say that it was very, very cold, which was to the Irish's advantage. Yeah, because USC like- did was not a. I will say this: the announcer at Notre Dame Stadium. Mm-hmm. that's pretty freaking cool. I mean, I know like Neyland, they do it, you know, it's football time in Tennessee and it's that's third and long. Also, yes. Jeff Jarnigan put some respect yes. on his name. Jeff Jarnigan does a good job uh, over at Neyland. also my boss, so doubly put some respect on his name. Very good job and deserves to give men in a raise. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Uh-huh, Jeff, you hear that? <laughs> but I will say that like the conversation aspect kind of of the announcer at Notre Dame, I, I don't know who it is. Um, it was really cool. You know, they do the uh, they do the weather, the pregame weather, and they're like, oh, today's temperature at kick is forty something degrees and, and wet. And he said, it's not California weather. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty cool. Um, so. I mean, the whole atmosphere is really cool. I will say uh, they they have a live camera in the locker room that they go to before the game, and the whole stadium does uh, the Lord's Prayer with the team. They have a, the, I guess, the chaplain oh, wow. um, of the team comes well, down and leads good. the team in the Lord's Prayer. Because, you know, it's a Catholic school. Yeah, um, I've heard that. <laughs> allegedly yeah. um and and they do the stadium partakes in the lord's prayer and i was like okay this this is kind of cool and and they have a live camera i guess it cuts away as marcus freeman gives his pregame speech um and it goes to the bells they ring the bells on campus stadium goes dark and they, they ring the bells on campus uh as the team is making their way down the tunnel um from the locker room and then it cuts back to where the sign of like play like a champion today is the play like a mm-hmm. champion today sign is. And you can see the players live hitting the sign. I was like, wow, that's actually like really cool that they do that. Um, and, and then it's just a, it, it, it's a cool little pregame 
Uh, cool little start to the third to the fourth quarter. They do the eighteen twelve overture, uh, which blends in perfectly with the crowd. Uh, a lot of them were there in eighteen twelve. Um, so, you know how how we do I friends in low when places. This song was number one on the charts. <laughs> ah, yes. Me and my gal, we would go out on the floor and dance. Of course, it wasn't the Lindbergh back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How we do friends in low places, they do the 1812 overture. So That's pretty awesome, though. It's it's pretty cool. I will say it is pretty cool. Um, that and the Celtic chant and, and the fight song. I mean, it's not Rocky Top, okay? It's not. But it, it is it is pretty cool. It's it's an iconic song. It's an iconic stadium. It's an iconic band, uh, and it's it's an iconic atmosphere. And so it's it was fun. It was a good time, and it was very fun to see USC just get embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I mean, honestly, Kevin, this was like I think it was Notre Dame's birthday present to you. Mm-hmm. Like it was. It was a belated birthday present. And um, I'm very glad that you got to witness the victory. I mean, for a couple of reasons. One, I'm I'm happy you and your dad got to see Notre Dame, and that's cool. But yeah, so cool. Yeah, but but also glad that you know now USC is brought back down to earth, and they've been another team that has sort of been eliminated from that. Uh, well, technically eliminated. They could play the maybe, but technically eliminated from playoff. Condition. But the the big story, Caleb Williams. I don't think. I mean, do you think he still is even on the high? Not a chance. After that, his his <laughs> odds dropped to twenty two to one. Yeah. After the beatdown that he got, and I I mean I don't want to say I told you guys so, <laughs> but I did but say he, last he, week he's going to say at this point he I told us. I did guys so. say I told you so. I I said that he hasn't seen a defense like Notre Dame's, and he had not seen a defense like Notre Dame's. The man looked like he'd never played college football ever. He was lost all night long. Um, and not for nothing, so was Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley was mm. very confused all night long. Marcus Freeman coached circles around Lincoln Riley. Um, and, you know, they, they were out of their element. You know, they're a warm-weather team. It wasn't California weather. It was it was football weather. And they didn't like that. They wanted to go home. <laughs> well, and Notre Dame definitely sent them home uh, tails between the legs. I'm not going to say Caleb Williams is completely eliminated from the Heisman conversation. And I'm not going to say USC is completely eliminated from the playoff conversation, too. But I think that has more to do with the fact that nobody has really run away with either the Heisman or has looked that good in the playoff conversation. Now I do think uh, uh, Michael Penix Jr. really, really uh, took some leaps and bounds uh, this past weekend. But at the same time, to say that uh, the reigning defending Heisman Trophy candidate or winner and maybe two-time winner is out of it, I think that is really early to say. He has work to do. But but he but he's still on the board. I think your Sam Hartman future is looking better than Caleb Williams' future. Mm. I will say that. I will say. Okay. That. And, all right. All right. And I'm, not for nothing. And I'm not the only one that said this. I've heard it somewhere else. I can't remember where though. But this is like the first 
really good defense that Caleb Williams has seen in his college career. And, I mean, he there is an F word that might be getting thrown around about him because he didn't really play anybody with a good defense last year. And he's a consensus number one pick. And maybe he might be just a little fraudulent. But I don't know. I'd be interested to see how he bounces back next week. Well, I'd, it, I'd be very interested. It's interesting you bring up last year. I almost felt like he won it by default last year. He didn't really necessarily grab the award and run away with it. It's like, I mean, obviously we're Tennessee fans and we would have loved to seen Hendon Hooker win it. Of course, we all know Hendon tore his ACL in that faithful night down in uh, Columbia, South Carolina. But up until that point, I mean, Hendon was the statistical and at that point betting odds favorite to win that award. Now, I don't know if Hendon stayed healthy, if he would have won the award I mean, he would have at least made it to New York, but I mean, like, there was really no definitive Heisman Trophy winner last year, and I haven't seen anybody that I've seen so far. It's like, yes, this guy right here is head and shoulders the best player in college foot. Well, except maybe Brock Bowers, but now Brock Bowers ain't playing football. But right, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do like that big Phoenix energy personally, but. <laughs> Oh, is that a thing now? <laughs> so that's a college game day shout out right there. Thank, well, thank you, uh, Desmond Howard, for that. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's refer to him uh, like we should around uh, these parts in East Tennessee. Former Tennessee commit Michael Penix Jr. That's right. That's right. That's yeah. right. Um, yes, and we percent claim that if he wins the highest. Oh, for sure. For I'm certain. For certain. All year. I'm, I'm, yeah. I will hang up a banner for Michael Penix, at, and it'll have a little asterisk beside it saying, this one's for Tennessee. Yep. That's mm-hmm. right. <laughs> Uh, speaking about Tennessee, though, I didn't get a chance to watch the UT Texas A&M game, but you guys did. We did. So I know that we won. The plus, hey, Kevin, did I, you know we won? We won. I did know that we won. <laughs> I, I know I'm, that Joe I'm, Milton looked shaky per usual, um, but that's about it. So I want to know, y'all two can lead this discussion. Tell me about the Texas. And I'm Tennessee game. Check. I'm name. glad that you say that you know we won because there are some people like fa- friends that I know personally that 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 I I respect their opinion when it comes to football. It almost feels like they're mourning this loss, and and it's like like this is a five and one football team, and and they were talking to me Saturday night, Sunday morning, and as I was like, yeah, Tennessee won. And I'm like, what what what's the problem it was it was an ugly game yeah but it's still a win is this is is this the team that we were expecting coming in to the 2023 season when we were expecting bazooka joe to be dropping it for 400 yards a game and you know five touchdowns and you know dark horse candidate for the heisman no no it wasn't but at the same time we're halfway through the college football season and i think we just have to accept at this point this is what this football team is this is a team that has one of the best defenses in the sec one of the best defenses in the entire country and one of the best running offenses not one of the best passing offenses in the sec and the nation once again and you need to ride this as long as you can. And if you can get anything 
out of Joe Milton? Again, you're five and one. And realistically, this is a Tennessee football team that has played one bad half of football all year. I will say they have not looked great at some points, but they always come out on the positive end with the exception of that one half of football in Florida. They beat a team at Texas A&M this past weekend that had more talent on both sides of the ball, and they beat a Texas A&M team playing the Texas A&M game that Texas A&M wanted. They beat them in a defensive struggle. They beat them getting down and dirty in the mud. They, they, Tennessee won a game that, quite frankly, Josh Heupel, I don't know if he knew they could win because when Josh Heupel came in from UFC, he's built his resume not only at UFC as the offensive coordinator at previous stops like Missouri and stuff on these high-powered offenses. Josh Heupel and his defense and special teams won that game on Saturday. So it's like there's a lot of negativity surrounding this Tennessee football team that is five and 5-1, and they still have everything on the table that they came into the season wanting to check off their list. Yeah, I would agree with a lot of what you're saying. I think that people sort of are losing perspective a little bit. I mean, we are used to watching Josh Heupel offense hit the field and expecting to hang 50 on everybody that play. However, in the last couple of years, we've needed to do that because we haven't had a defense who could show up and help us win a football game when it was going to be more of a battle of in the trenches and a battle of inches and... um I think that we, you know, th- there's. it's funny because there's still so many people that feel like Tim Banks is a, a bad defensive coordinator. People want to call for Willie Martinez's head, but can can we talk for a second about uh, Kamal Haddon's improvement over oh the, my God. the course of his career at Tennessee? And mm. this, this defensive line, I know you were saying it's one of the best defenses in the country. I, I'd put it, I'd say right now we're a top 15 defense in the country. I think our defensive line is probably a top five defensive line in the country. Um, the way that we can pressure the quarterback, we're always playing on the you know the offensive side of the line of scrimmage. James Pierce has been a revelation. Thank God for him. Um, what a star in the making. Yeah. Um, and so basically we played to what our strength has been this year, which is that defensive line and the running game. Coming into that game, Texas A&M was giving up something like 70 rushing yards a game, maybe less than that, and we ran for 230 yards on them. That There's not a Tennessee team in probably the last 15 years that could have done that, honestly. And we have three legitimate running backs that are good options. Jalen Wright, by the way, can I give myself just a little bit of mid-season pat on the back talking about how Jalen Wright was going to be the dark horse MVP for this team, and... He has done nothing but prove me right so far. Um, I hate that he only – I think he has one touchdown on the season. That's he really, does have one touchdown, yes. That's extremely disappointing. But otherwise, his his yard per uh, carry average is, is good, and he's always – he's just under – a hundred yards a game so far. averaging 95 yards a game and uh, speaking on his average 7.1 yards every time he touches the ball yeah yeah he's he, that dude is a is a stud and and he's being backed up by Jambari Small and and Dylan Sampson who both could be starting um which is great so th- the thing that I feel like is the key to this team 
Joe Milton just has to make sure we don't get beat. Um, and I still believe in that arm. If if people start really trying to shut down the run and they start like bringing those safeties up, we're going to have a game eventually where Joe Milton starts hitting those bombs. It's going to happen. We've been close several times. And so far, because like we've all been saying all year long, the book is out on Joe Milton. Everybody knows he can throw an orange 500 yards. They're going to drop the safeties back. They're going to say, you know what? You're going to have to beat us with that middle game. We're not going to let you just like score touchdowns in one play. We're going to slow this offense down. And so Josh Heupel, we've adjusted the offense. And he says it in his press conferences. The running games are bread and butter. That's what they, they love doing that. And that sets up the pass. But it, but teams still so far have not been willing to commit to stopping our run game. And when they do, at some point, somebody will. Could it be Alabama? I don't know. Maybe they do. And if they do, I think World White's going to make them pay. At some point, we're going to have a game where Joe Milton blows it up because that arm, he's got the strength. The ceiling is there. Now, unfortunately, the floor is is maybe lower than what Hinden Hooker's was. But the ceiling is there, and it's higher, I think, than what Hinden Hooker's was. So I still believe in the possibility that Joe could show that Bazooka Joe side of him that we all know that he has. But this game, I it's it's funny because I, I've seen a lot. Of, I mean, well, Texas A&M fans, they're done with Jimbo Fisher. Well, too bad because you're stuck with him probably for the next five, six years. For the uh, tune of $77 million as yeah. of today. Yeah. So um, he's not going anywhere. But he made questionable decisions in the game. Why are you taking a knee when you've got all your timeouts and 40 seconds left in the half? You're all, I mean, that was totally bizarre to me, and I thought to myself, J- Josh Heupel never would have done that. Nope. We we would have tried to get points, maybe to our de- detriment, but we would have tried to get points. Um, and just like some of the choices that he made during the game, and that's I said it going in. I was like, hey, one thing that gives me confidence is we're going to be standing across the field from Jimbo Fisher. And, I mean, oh, and behold. I, I think that came true. We left points on the board. I know they did too, but I think we probably left at least 20 points on the board. Probably. Really? I think T- we did. Tennessee at le- at least left two touchdowns, whether it be the touchdown pass that Joe missed in the end zone and then the interception he threw in the end zone. That is two touchdowns that I can think of. And then I know it's never, you know, a good look to talk about the officiating, but the officiating was really really brutal on some big bombs on pass interference that was pretty dang glaring pass interference that they just left their laundry in the pocket on. Plus we missed a field goal and there was that fourth down where for some reason, Joe, Oh my God, he didn't didn't pull the trigger. We were, we were in positive. We were like on a positive position on the field. We probably could have gotten a field goal there. Joe Milton's rolling to the right. He's got two options. If he just pulls the trigger, we've got on a first one day. of them. On one yeah. of them, yeah. I'm, he, I'm, did he run out of bounds again? No, he <laughs> threw it. He threw it out of bounds. It was intercepted out of bounds, but he threw it out of bounds. Uh, at least he threw it. That's progress. Yeah, but he it, had, is he, it the? Um, I'm. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I I want to preface what I'm about to say with this is Joe's team 
unless he gets hurt. I know a lot of people are clamoring for Nico Iamaliava, and I believe Nico can and will be a generational quarterback, dot, 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 in the future. But Joe gives this team the best chance to win right now. And this is what Josh Heupel and this coaching staff want to do. They want to win right now. My issue with Joe Milton is he is chronically a beat too late. Like going back to that fourth down play, he was a beat too late. Jay, you just talked about it. He had two options. If he pulls the trigger on either of them, they convert that fourth down. And with the way they were moving the ball, they at least get three, probably punch it into the end zone and get a touchdown. And going back to another play where they had a free play on a third down where uh, Texas A&M jumps offside, Joe pulls it down and runs, and instead of like lunging for the first down line, he decides to go a yard out of bounds behind the uh, the the first down marker. Or instead of again with a free play, he doesn't chuck it down the field and see what happens. Like the problem with Joe Milton isn't the physical traits. The problem with Joe Milton is in between the ears. And I, it's, 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 it, it can be frustrating as a Tennessee fan. I say that as a Tennessee fan, but that's why I think we as a Tennessee fan base need to just get, a, get in the mindset with, with Joe Milton. He just needs to be a high powered game manager. Yeah. Just, to, just don't let Joe Milton get us beat. Let our three headed Hydra monster of a running back run all over the, the, the just monster of a schedule we have coming up and let our defense do their dang thing that they've been doing so far. And, was, and, I, and, 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 ho- and hopefully the receivers show up because not all of this is on Joe, like Stonehands, uh, uh, Keaton, he like, I, I don't know what happened, uh, uh, to Ramel Keaton when he switched over from number 80 to number nine, but it's like, like I saw somebody on Twitter posts, like, uh, Ramel Keaton in, in, in number 80 is like Superman. Ramel Keaton in number nine is like, uh, Clark Kent. Like, and, and Joe's receiving core is not doing him any favors right now, but I think expectations have to be tempered going forward. But with that being said, Tennessee still has their own fate in their hands. If they take care of business going forward, everything that they came into the season with on the table is still obtainable. The SEC East, the SEC Championship, and the spot in the college football playoffs. Yeah, How, that's yeah, that's really true. I mean, which is and, wild. Yeah, and, yep. and, and honestly, <laughs> I, I know this is look. We're we're primarily a Tennessee podcast. If we're anything, I, I'll no. see. I'll sit here and say that um, it, if you want to look at it through orange-colored glass, we still have the same opportunity we did last year to make the playoffs. Every game on our schedule is winnable. If we, if we, if things work out the right way, I think every game on our schedule is winnable. I'll say now, that now. I'll agree with that now. Now that Brock Bowers is hurt, well, I definitely. You still think that, that Georgia game is going to be really tough, though, especially oh, yeah. with the way the offense is is performing. Of course it will, but it's at home. And right, and that's the other I, thing. I do think that now that Tennessee is actually like relevant and fun to watch again, and we're winning football games. Neyland Loud is back. Neyland is a factor again. Finally. And I think that it gives us that three points, the, at least three points um, that Vegas likes to give home teams, if not more than that. And I wonder what the line is on that game. 
the early line. I have no no idea. But I'll uh, look that up. Keep talking. But anyway, I, yeah, I just think this game in Tuscaloosa. If if we go down there and Joe Milton doesn't lose the game, that's all he has to do. Don't lose the game. Kevin, you said it, and I'm not trying to take the words from your mouth, but you said this could be like a 7-3 game. It's very possible this could be a low-scoring game, and it's just whoever can find a way to score some points in maybe a non-conventional way. And the thing that I'll say about that is our special teams have been solid this year, surprisingly solid, and with D. Williams running kicks and punts, that gives us a chance, and our defense has found a way to get us the ball back and score points. And that makes me feel good, too. Alabama is giving up, what have they given up, 31 sacks this year? Yeah, their offensive line's not very good. And I guess we can go ahead and transition out from yeah. the A&M game to the Alabama game. Yeah. Um, the Al- I, 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 and I guess this is where I'll chime back in. I'll let you guys carry the oh, fight yeah. for a little while. And so um, I'll chime back in on here. But, uh, yeah, the Alabama offensive line's not very good, okay? Um, you saw that in the Texas game. Uh, Jalen Milrow was running for his life all game. And Texas's defense, while they're good, I don't think they're as good as Tennessee's defense. I think Tennessee's defense, I know um, you guys had said earlier uh, that the, the, you, you think they're a top 15 defense and a top five defensive line. I, I think they're a top five defense, period. Um, I, I think Tennessee's defense is really good. Um, and, and that's the re I truly believe that that's the reason that they're sitting at five and one, um, because of their defense. Now this game is in Tuscaloosa. And I think that is going to be a little bit bigger of a bear than maybe we think it will be. Um, just because Alabama's coming off of a poor performance against Arkansas, um, where they only won by three points. And and they're going to be up for this game. They're going to be up for revenge. I think Alabama's looking at this game the way that we looked at the South Carolina game. <laughs> and And I think because, yeah, Alabama lost two games last year, but we were their first loss. And then they lost to LSU. And that's why they didn't make the playoff. I think if they look back, I think if the Alabama fans look back on their schedule and say, if we beat that Tennessee team, we get in the playoff. Even if we do lose to LSU, we get in the playoff. And I think that they're going to say, well, that Tennessee team cost us with what, if you guys remember, go back to last year. Coming into the season last year, Alabama fans were saying this is the best team that Saban's had. You had Will Anderson on that team. You had Dallas Turner, who's who's still at Alabama. You had him on that team. You had the reigning Heisman winner and Bryce Young. I mean, Alabama fans were saying this is the best team that Saban's had, and we're going to kick some butt. And then they come to Knoxville, and their season crumbles. And I think they're sitting there, and they're saying, you know, the same things that we were saying earlier this season before the South Carolina game was, you know, they cost us a chip, a trip to the playoff. Alabama saying the same thing about us. And I think that their fans are going to come loud. They're going to come prepared. I think the players are going to come loud, ready to roll. I mean, 
a lot of the I know a lot of the players from last year's team have gone on to the pros. But I like I did say I I think the best player on the field is gonna be on the Alabama sideline, and I I am very worried about what Dallas Turner can do defensively because he's a monster. I know our offensive line is very good. And with the addition of Cooper Mays, we look like a totally different offensive line than we looked like against Florida. I understand that. But Dallas Turner is a monster. And I'm coming in here tempering my expectations just a little bit. Do I think that we're going to run for 250 yards? Probably not. But I did say earlier this week, we were the three of us were talking, and, and I did say I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. And it's going to be, I, I do believe that it's going to be a low-scoring game, something along the lines 7-3, 10-7, something crazy. And if that's the case, I don't know. Being in Bryant-Denny is a little worrisome for me, personally. Um what what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I think you're. I you make a lot of valid points, and I don't take it lightly that this is a revenge game for Alabama. I mm-hmm. don't take it lightly that we're going to Tuscaloosa. Um, I know the fans are going to show up. I know they're going to show out. I know they're going to make it tough. Like that. That to me is a given. What I think we may see because of that, especially early on in the game, is that I think the first quarter could be a 0-0 first quarter because I think it's going to be hard for off. Um, But I think we're going to make it hard on their off. And I think we're going to be aggressive. I think we're going to go after Jalen Milrow um, we are going to try our best to continue to build on our sack um, count being one of the top teams in, in the SEC and in the nation. And I think that we're going to try to get to him early and often and try to make him make a mistake. Now, it does worry me because I think that he is he, he's gotten better with his down the field accuracy. And, and, you know, they took advantage of Ole Miss. Um, and I think they they hit a couple balls on Arkansas, and you know, so that's something that I hope that we, I mean, we may get caught, you know, in a, in a situation where we're in man man to man, and they hit us deep. Hopefully, it's not something that goes for points immediately, and we can we can maybe just hold them to three or something. But I don't know. I my my gut is telling me that it's Alabama. It's in Tuscaloosa playing against Nick Saban. Again, it's a revenge game. They they you know, they had high hopes last season, they had high hopes this season. They could be out for blood and just totally murder us. But there's a part of me that's like I don't know. It is spooky season after all. This is the third Saturday in October. I feel like there could be something in the air where this is one of those games where if something just goes right our way, close game, the ball bounces up right a couple of times for us, and maybe I know that more than likely we're going to be playing against the refs well, because I feel like we have been all season, and this is going to be even worse. 
with Saban and in Tuscaloosa, so I get that, but I don't know. I I just think this this could be a game where again we win it with defense and special teams. And you know, if General Nealon's maxims taught us anything, you press the kicking game. This is where breaks are made. I don't know. I, I, I think there's a shot. I really do. I and I think that if we can find a way to win this game, then the rest of this season it's gonna shape the rest of the season for sure. And oh, I wanted to say one thing. I saw them do something this against Texas A and M uh that they haven't done much, but I've called for it and I continue to I will continue to call for it. We ran the speed option with Joe Milton one time against Texas A and M and it was highly successful. I don't know why you're not doing that five, six, seven times a game because Joe Milton, and he showed on some of his runs against Texas A&M, he's willing to get dirty. He's willing to put the head down. He's willing to truck some defensive players. And if you've got to account for him and one of our vicious running backs coming downhill at you, I don't know. That seems like a, if I were the offensive coordinator, I'd be calling that up a little bit more. I maybe I think maybe we're trying not to get Joe hurt. But anyway, Landon. Kind of like in the UTSA game when they opened it with Milton on the uh, RPO and he took it, what, 88 yards to the house? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Like and, and it's like miles an hour. Uh huh. And it's like, oh, look at that. When the big giant dude runs with the ball, he's really good at it. Yep. We should do that more. But yeah, I kind of think um, they realize what's behind him and they don't want to get him hurt. So that might be why. Um, I couldn't find a definitive early line on the Georgia Tennessee game. I think I saw like some seven and a half, eight and a half, but uh, this game I did find FanDuel earlier today. We're recording this on uh, the 17th of October. Uh, On my morning talk show, we were talking about the line. It was nine and a half Alabama. While we are currently recording this, it is eight and a half Alabama. That means money is moving more towards Tennessee. Obviously, Alabama is still more than a touchdown favorite. But kind of speaking to what y'all were saying earlier, this is going to be a low-scoring game because the over-under is set for 48-and-a-half with a uh, under getting more play than the over. Um, I also think this is going to be a low-scoring game. Maybe not to the extreme that Kevin's thinking, a 9-6, a uh, 10-7 type ordeal. going on the road to Alabama to an environment that is going to be hostile because y'all talk about this is going to be the same way Neyland was when uh, Shane, I broke my foot kicking something because I lost to Florida Beamer uh, and his South Carolina Gamecocks saw a couple weeks ago because Tennessee remembered what South Carolina did to Hendon Hooker and that team last year. An elephant never forgets, and I don't think the Crimson Tide forgot what Tennessee did last year. This is a receipt game, and I think this is going to be a hostile, hostile environment and a fired-up Nick Saban-coached team. And I mean, it, like like a Nick Saban-coached team is going to be scary enough as is. Um. Mm. As a Tennessee fan, this kind of hurts to say, I don't know if Tennessee can get this done on the road. I do think this is going to be a close game. This is going to be a defensive struggle. 
I think our run game is going to have some success. I think our defense is going to have some success. I think we are once again going to have to see some just pissed off baller moves from Kamal Haddon. And as as a a Tennessee fan and speaking to the Tennessee fan base, we owe Kamal Haddon an apology because a couple home games ago, I think it might have been the UTSA game, there was some Tennessee fans that booed him during the introduction. And he spoke on that on social media and says, I'll remember that. And ever since then, he has been playing pissed off. And ever since then, he has been playing as one of, if not the best, like defensive backs in the entire Southeastern Conference. I think he is going to have to have another great game when Milrow wants to go deep and maybe he can get his fourth interception of the year. Uh, he can break up some more passes. Uh, and maybe uh, Gabe Judy Lolly uh, playing opposite of him. I think our secondary is going to have to have a big night. Um, we saw James Pierce Jr. just have a coming out party against Texas A&M. I think he is going to have to continue his ascension to superstardom uh, for Tennessee to stay in it. Eight and a half. That's a big number. That's that a, a big ass big number for for number. top twenty matchup especially for a team that has struggled on the offensive side of the ball. Now, granted, they're not going up against the same Alabama juggernaut that put up 49 on Tennessee in Neyland last year, but on the flip side, Alabama's not going up against the same Tennessee juggernaut that put up 52. Um, Guys, I... Hang on. Before you say that, Landon, let me give you some numbers, okay? Okay, okay. Alabama's averaging 367 yards a game. Do you know how many yards Tennessee's averaging a game? I, in fact, don't, Kevin. How many? 443. Mm. Which is mind-blowing because you just said, and you're right, this is not the same Tennessee team that scored 52 points last year. But, damn it, they're putting up 400 yards a game. Yeah. And, and, And that's a lot of yards. And the thing that stands out to me... And I'm just trying to sway your opinion. That's all I'm doing. Okay. Is is it's a very balanced attack from Tennessee. 212 yards passing a game. 231 yards rushing a game. It's very balanced. Alabama's is 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 219 passing and 148 rushing. But I think the balancedness of the Tennessee offense is something that's getting overlooked. Um, and I, I, I'm like you, I didn't know that they were putting up 400 plus yards a game. I would have never guessed that. Yeah. Especially the way that everybody talks about the offense. (laughs) Not in a million years. You could have given me a million guesses. I don't think I would have figured that one out, Mm -hmm. but I will say, you know, to Justin's point earlier, I think the potential for this to be the Tennessee team that put up 50, that put up 52 points last year on Alabama. I think that potential is there. I very much so think it's there. Does it happen against Alabama? I don't know. But I just wanted to give you those numbers before you make your official prediction. Okay. Um, okay, with that caveat, I... If with our that passing, caveat, my, my, my number doesn't change at all. <laughs> I... Mm, 
God, I re- mm, God, you're you're really twisting me here, Kevin. Um, part of me wants to say if our receivers show up and can give Joe just a little bit of help, and Joe can be halfway competent and our running game and our defense does what it does, Tennessee could win by two touchdowns. But I'm not even confident saying I see that, especially in that environment. We've seen Tennessee struggle on the road, particularly in hostile environments. Um, My humidor is stocked, ready to smoke cigars on Saturday. As is mine but I don't see Tennessee taking care of business on Saturday, on the third Saturday in October at Tuscaloosa. Mm, that hurts me. It hurts. Do, as, as, as the son of uh, somebody who was part of the Tennessee football team, Kevin, that hurts me as well. So that does hurt me, but you are a realist. And I, 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 I appreciate that. I would um, love to be coming and joining y'all next week and eating the biggest pile of crow as I sing Dixieland Delight through crow and cigar smoke. I hope that is the case. I really, really wait, do. Wait, 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 wait. Can we can we maybe say, like, if Tennessee can pull off a victory, we need to do a video call, smoking cigars, and just do a little round table discussion just for maybe 10 or 15 minutes after the game. Yeah, yeah. I'm do down. That. Yeah, Let's do I'll it. Can do that. Yeah. I will be having people over, but I could do that. I could do that for certain. For yeah, certain. I will be. I will be out on my back patio, uh, smoking a cigar, playing a Dixieland Delight on repeat, like I did last year when Tennessee Hell beat yeah. Alabama fifty-two to forty-nine. Hell yeah! And I'm not going to end up in a ditch this time. I'm not the bartender, so we're good. no ditch, no ditch. No, we'll do it. We're and we will. We'll play that audio on this show, and that'll save us some record time next week because we're going to win this. Game. We're doing it. <laughs> I think okay. so. I, listen, right. wow. Okay. You guys have given your official prediction. I'm going to give mine. I think I, I I said it tonight. I had a shindig with some of my friends who were also Tennessee fans. I said it tonight. I said, I don't think that this matchup is a good matchup for Alabama. I said, I think that the Tennessee defense, the Tennessee defensive line is, is too good for the Alabama offensive line. And I think Tennessee's going to create some chaos for Alabama. I think they're going to be in Jalen Merrow's face. Um, I, I think Kamal Haddon's going to have a big game. He's, you know he's going to be matched up with Jermaine Burton. You know that that because that's Merrow's favorite target. And, and Haddon, to some fans, like it or not, Haddon's our best secondary option. Damn right and he so, is. And so Haddon's going to be shadowing. I think he's going to be shadowing Jermaine Burton all night long. And I think that he's going to have a good game. However, I don't think it's going to be Kamal Haddon that has a big play on defense. I think it's going to be a player who's been at Tennessee for a long time. I think Jalen McCullough is going to make his voice heard in this defense. I think he's going to have a, a big interception. Maybe a pick six. I don't know. But I think he's going to have a big game for Tennessee because he's a leader on that team. And he and he knows, you know, hey, this is a game that could set our defense or set our team going on the right track going forward to potentially get to bigger heights than we got to even last year. That would be big. Be big. All I'm saying 
is that I think Tennessee wins. I think Tennessee wins 24 to 17. I know I said it was going to be a low scoring game earlier, but I've kind of changed my mind a little bit and I'm going 24, 17 volunteers. Still comes in under the over under. So, so you're good. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Uh, I think they get it done. Um, that's three. That's pretty. Yeah. And you know what, you know what? One is going to be a defensive. Okay. I think Jalen McCall is getting a pick six. Okay. One is going to be a Dylan Sampson rushing touchdown. And my man, Bazooka Joe Milton, is going to hit the squirrel for an <laughs> 80-yard bomb. And I'm going to be losing my noggin downstairs in my basement when when the squirrel gets into the end zone. And and I can celebrate accordingly. So so so, uh, so what you're saying is we're going to see some Peyton Manning to Joey uh, Kent Alabama redo. No, no, Squirrel's going to run wild on them like Jalen Hyatt did. Okay, that, all right. He's only going to have one touchdown as opposed to Hyatt's five. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think that they're going to be able to cover the squirrel. He's going to be too quick. They uh, they, let, they, they, they let squirrel wear Jalen Hyatt's number. On oh, man. Just, it, just give him PTSD. <laughs> That'd be sick. But, oh, That'd God, he's sick. back. Run. Yeah, that would be something. Um, but, yeah, I do think that Tennessee wins. I'm giving the score of 24-17. And listen, guys, we're not the only ones that are saying that Tennessee sh- it, it could win this game, might win this game, should win this game. I'll, there's a lot of people out there saying this is a bad matchup for Alabama. And you know what? A lot of those same people were saying that's a bad matchup for USC last week going to South Bend. So I'm taking the advice of the people that were right last week. I'm going with the volunteers. And I, and I got my cigars ready to smoke, and I want to smoke them. And so Tennessee wins. Again, back-to-back. Back. Dixieland Delight is a song about Tennessee. Don't you forget it, you sister fuckers. Damn right. I'm sorry. That was too much. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Don't apologize. This is Bama Hate Week. Don't wait till the end of the week. Hate Alabama early, always and often. Yeah. Landon, I, I know you've got to bounce because you've got early responsibilities on the radio. Any final words before you hit the road here tonight? Um, uh, thank you all for having me on another episode of uh, Moonshine and Scoreboards. Uh, I honestly do hope I am wrong about the uh, Tennessee-Alabama game because I am a volunteer fan through and through. I would love to uh, have to come on Eating Crow, singing Dixieland Delight about Tennessee having a two-game winning streak over the vaunted Crimson Tide and still having their own hands in their own destiny. I did send over my uh, picks for the pub dubs this week. Um, uh, and I just want to say if I miss any, it's because uh, they entered my wins in or they entered my picks incorrectly. So there, there, there is that. All right. Fair enough. All right. Thanks, Love you. I'll talk to you next week. Bye buddy. Okay. Bye bye. <laughs> Kevin, you know what that means? It's time to get into pub dubs, and we should do a lightning round so Joe doesn't kill us. That's right. Yeah, I think we should. We got a little heavy in the South Bend and Tennessee game, but yeah, that's. But it's okay. We'll make the we'll make the fans some money real quick. Just to be uh, a, a good steward uh, of those that are keeping you know track. Go ahead and tell them. The yep. Scoreboard. You and Landon both got better records than me last week. You, uh-huh. you both came out on top, six and four. Um, I went four and six. If the Chargers had found a way to get their heads out of their butts 
uh, we all would have gone five and. But it is what it is. Six and four versus four and six. That's fine. I'm playing from behind. I'm going to make it up this week. All right, here we go. This is lightning round edition. We've got five college games, five NFL games. We're kicking it off on Saturday with probably the biggest um, college football game. Penn State at Ohio State. Ohio State minus four and a half at home. Landon is going with OSU in this one to defend their home turf. What do you think, Kevin? I also like Ohio State. I'm going to keep it short and sweet, simple. The Ohio State fans want me to talk about Ohio State. Sorry, we're out of time. Ohio State wins, though. (laughs) You know what I'm going to do? Um, Just for people who are keeping track of such a thing, anytime we've had three pickers and we've all picked the same team, they've lost. It's happened every time. I'm picking up my as well. Let's go. That's for you, you Buckeye fans. That's for you. <laughs> oh, evil laugh. All right. That was, <laughs> that was Big Ten. Now we're moving over to the SEC. Mississippi State at Arkansas. I thought it was an interesting game. It's kind of some of these mid-tier SEC games. Or SEC bottom tier. Games. Yeah, bottom tier. But <laughs> Arkansas is favored by uh, seven in this one. It's Arkansas minus seven. Landon picked Arkansas. Um, to defend their home turf. And um, I, you know what? I think, honestly, I think I'm going to go with the Hogs as well. I, I just don't think Mississippi State is very good this year. Kevin, do you, do you agree or disagree? Mm. I'll wear me somebody. Why not? Give me, give me Arkansas as well. I like the Hogs also. <laughs> whammy. We're going to whammy. Win. I, I, I like to whammy. It's, that's fun. <laughs> it is fun. It's funny that it's happened three times. Okay. Uh, moving over to the ACC. Interesting matchup here. Pittsburgh traveling to Wake Forest. Wake Forest is favored. Minus one and a half at home. Landon is going with Pitt. Come in and play the spoiler for Wake Forest. Um, You know, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I, but you get to pick first on this one. So what do you think? Yeah, um, I don't know why he picked Pitt because they've only won two games. <laughs> that's that's nuts. Uh, however, they did just beat Louisville, who just beat throttled Notre Dame the week before. Um, but I like Wake Forest at home. Give me Wake Forest. No whammies today. I think I'm going to go with Pitt in this one. I, I mean, I just even though um, I got nothing against uh, Wake Forest. Keep wanting to name check the coach because he was the off coordinator. Come on, come on. So Wake Forest head coach. Yeah, he was our offensive coordinator, and then we uh, Dave Clawson, oh. right? Yeah, yeah, that, that that'd be Clawson. Yes, yeah, he, he's a good he's a good coach, but sorry, Narduzzi, Narduzzi ball. All right. Back over to the Pac-12, we've got number 14, Utah, traveling to USC. USC is minus six and a half in this one, licking their wounds after that nice butt whooping they took, thanks to Kevin, his dad, and the Notre Dame fighting Irish. That's right. Landon is picking USC to bounce back and get the victory, uh, but is uh, is rising back at quarterback? I don't know. You tell me. Is he back? (laughs) I feel like this is the question that we have every week. Is Cam Rising going to play? Uh, this week I'll set it at a 65% chance. All right. Um, man, I, hmm. I'm, oh gosh, I'm torn up on this one. Um, I think I'm just going to go USC. I think USC is going to. What do you think? So Landon picked USC. 
He did. You picked USC. I did. Oh, man. I could whammy USC because I really don't like them. <laughs> but then I would be picking USC. Uh, they're back home in California. It's not going to be 40 degrees. It's not going to be raining. Audric Estime is not going to be running through the USC defense. <laughs> um, you know what? Utah's defense is pretty good, too. And Caleb Williams is a mentally weak individual, I believe. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go with Utah. All right. Um. Uh, yeah, I'm going with Utah. You know what? Caleb Williams left Oklahoma because he wanted to follow Lincoln Riley out west, and so he didn't want to. He he's weak. He didn't want to stay and finish his work at Oklahoma. So give me Utah. Yeah. There you go. Notre right. Dame ruined USC season. <laughs> That's right. Finally, for Saturday, we've got Clemson at Miami. I put on this uh, killer game both unranked. LOL. Uh, Clemson minus two and a half. This game would have looked like a marquee matchup preseason. Not so much. Landon picked Miami in this game. Kevin, do you like Tigers or the Hurricanes? I also like Miami. Okay. Yeah, I also like Miami. I think if Tez Walker was still ineligible by the NCAA, Miami would have won last week because Tez Walker is the only one that showed up for North Carolina. Um, so uh, give me Miami. Give me Miami. Yeah. I, we're going to do the voodoo again because I, I would Whammy. pick Miami as well. So um, I just don't believe in Clemson. Me either. Sorry, Miami. I don't really believe in Cristobal after that uh, odd handoff instead of a kneel down. But, hey, I'm going to keep talking <laughs> about that forever because it was maybe one of the worst coaching decisions. And we hate Dabo on this podcast. We do. We're Dabo haters. <laughs> All right. Sunday, we've got the Dolphins at Eagles. Um, Philadelphia minus two and a half. I'll land and pick the Dolphins at this going going up to Philadelphia. The Dolphins, mm. the Dolphins. The last time they had to travel north, they didn't look. They didn't look. They got dildos thrown on them the last time they traveled north. <laughs> well, and, and uh, snowballs, and it did not go well. Um, yeah, I pick no. I okay, okay. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go Dolphins, and, and mostly I'm going Dolphins. Oh no! Oh no! We're gonna whammy the Dolphins. No, ye of little faith. Uh oh. The Eagles lose, and now you guys pick the Dolphins. And don't you know that a pissed off Eagles team at home is a good bet? Give me the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philly fans are crazy. They're crazy. The Phillies won't be at home that weekend or, or shouldn't be at home that, that weekend. Um, they should have already won the National League pennant by that time. Uh, so give me the Eagles at home. Nobody can stop the tush push. And the Eagles lost last week. And the Dolphins are going north. They still have PTSD about Bills fans. And Eagles fans are worse. So Philly flies. All right. I, I'm only going Dolphins because I need this. But um, all right, now we are going to go over to Indianapolis for the Browns at the Colts, uh, and Cleveland is coming in. No Deshaun Watson, uh, but they won last week. 
Again, that was a shock to me, somehow beating the 49ers. Um, Cleveland is coming in with minus two and a half. Of course, now the Colts have a Richard. So this is a game of backup quarterback. Landon took the Browns. Um, the Colts. I, 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 yeah. Wait, you get to go first. So, uh, you, you. <laughs> I'll make your decision a lot easier for you. I'm taking the Browns. Okay. As well. For multiple reasons, but mainly because Gardner Minshew's not Anthony Richardson. And there's a little birdie going around saying that Deshaun Watson might play Sunday. So if Deshaun Watson plays, I'm definitely going with the Browns. Well, I mean, again, we're going to have a lot of of, uh, all three of us picking a team this week. Because I'd go Browns, too, because for me, it's it's about their defense. Yeah, that defense is wicked. Yeah, I think the defense is is going to get them. Yeah, we'll go Brown. All right, next one up, we got Commanders at Giants. And the Commanders are getting minus two in this one. Landon took the Commanders because he just doesn't believe in Tyrod Taylor. Um, I guess. I, um, hmm. I think, I think Hal has played a really good uh Played really well yes. at quarterback. Surprisingly, um, I think the Giants have a pretty good defense. Uh, mm, they have a pretty good defense, but their offense is dog cheeks. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I I, I think the Giants. I'm going to go Giants on this one just because. No, I have no good reason, but something. I couldn't pick the Commanders, so I'm not going to do it. And now this way, at least we've. It won't be a whammy. So what do you think? That's right. It won't be a whammy. The commanders, didn't they Didn't they do the impossible last week? Didn't they? They did. They did. The commanders beat Desmond Ritter at home. They did. That's true. They, they did. did. You said would never. The commanders did the impossible. Give me the commanders because now they can do anything. They beat Desmond Ritter at home. They can do anything. I that's a good reason. And honestly, I forgot about it. I wouldn't <laughs> go back. Change my pick, but I'm not gonna I'm gonna stick with the Um All right, we got two more to go. Lions at Ravens. Baltimore minus three and a half. Lions looking really good this year. I was actually surprised that the Ravens were favored in Landon has taken the Lions. Kevin, what do you think? I was also surprised that the Ravens were favored because I think the Lions are one of the four best teams in the NFC. Yeah. Uh, And I love the Lions in this spot. I think it's free money almost. Um, Is this the the mortgage house? No, I think the bet the mortgage pick is the Eagles minus two. Okay. Um, But I, I will say. Just because maybe Vegas knows something we don't, because that's my that might be why the Ravens are favored. Um, but but I, I love the Lions, uh, so I will be I I will be betting on the Lions this Sunday. So I'm going with the Lions, and I will also go. You know, if all the games where we all, where we all had the same pick, if the, if we're all wrong on all those, that's going to be that's going to. That's some real magic that we've got going on. We should somehow find a way to mark. We should. Um, 
Last game, we've got the Packers at Broncos. Green Bay minus one. Uh, Russell Wilson looking like absolute dog poop. Um, Landon takes the Packers on the road. I know what you say about home doggies, but uh, I don't know. I don't know, Kevin. What do you think? Can can the can Jordan Love go in and, and beat the Broncos at Mile High? Uh, yeah, I think he can. I'm taking the Packers as well. Um, I I hate the Broncos offense. Terrible. And and I like the Packers offense a little bit better. Well, I'm gonna go Broncos just for the opportunity to hopefully get a game. Give me That's the smart. Broncos. Give me the Broncos in that one. It is a competition, of course. It is. We've got to have a few <laughs> different picks, and this week we don't have that many that are gonna separate <laughs> us. So. Or, I think everybody's getting to that part of the competition. We're like, I want to be right. That's right. <laughs> I want to win. That's what competition is about. Yeah, exactly. But that um, is going to be the pub dubs for week eight, and we'll see how things. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, well, thank you very much for that, Justin. And I want to go ahead and thank everybody for listening this week. We appreciate all the support, all the comments, all the interactions we get from you all. Um, as always, you can follow us on the social media, the X, the Twitter, whatever you want to call it, at Boozy Sports Pod, where we'll be tweeting, posting away. Maybe not if it's going to be a dollar to tweet and post or whatever, but mm, we, we might. I don't know. We might be able to fork up the change, find the change in the couches um, to still post on there. But um, I do want to give a huge thanks to you, Justin for coming on this evening and chit-chatting with me. Uh, thanks again to Landon, who popped off earlier, but we do appreciate him coming on as well. Um, a huge, huge shout-out to producer Joe for making us sound fantastic. Thank you, Joe. Um, I also want to give Joe a little shout-out. His JMU Dukes, they're 6-0. and Heck yeah. Go, James. Undefeated. Undefeated. Um, so, so thank you, Joe. Um, and we hope you enjoy your weekend of college football. Dixieland Delight is a song about Tennessee. Don't you forget it. Alabama sucks. Go Vols. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Moonshine and Scoreboards. Moonshine and Scoreboards is a Tri-M production and is hosted by Kevin Scott, Landon Doan, and Justin Krutzinger. Our engineer is Joe the Engineer. If you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes, Google Podcast, or anywhere you get your podcast. You can email us at moonshineandscoreboards at gmail.com. Subscribe, tell a friend, and come back next week for all of the fun, the games, the moonshine, and of course, the scoreboards. Scoreboards.